This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the June 8th and June 9th, 2022 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. Yeah, today's is a long one, and will count for tomorrow as well. Quick hitters. Liberal San Francisco voters voted to recall the liberal district attorney by a large margin due to his soft-on-crime policies. Recently, there were talks with Russia, Turkey, and Ukraine over starting grain exports. Turkey says it would guarantee ship safety after the ships leave Ukrainian ports, but that Ukraine needs to remove mines in the ports, which I assume were placed to prevent Russian ships from attacking Ukraine. Turkey says Russia has to do nothing. Makes me queasy, but still possibly good news. And then I read that Russia is saying that sanctions must be lifted on Russia or Russia won't deliver Russian grain. A driver in Berlin, Germany drove through a crowd for 600 feet, killing one and injuring 30. In Europe, there seems to be a rash of needle spiking where unsuspecting people are injected with a drug while at nightclubs. Moving on. CNN and the linked story by Caitlin Palance Zachary Cohen and Evan Perez tell a story about an email, quote, sent by Robert Sinners, Trump Election Day Operations Lead in Georgia, on December 13, 2020, 18 hours before the great group of alternate electors gathered at the Georgia State Capitol, according to multiple sources familiar with it, end quote. The email allegedly instructs folks to give fake reasons why they are at the Georgia Capitol and to mention to no one their real reason. There is a grand jury investigation around the fake electors charge. I think they are saying the campaign wanted the alternative or fake electors to vote as electors, but it is striking to me that I can't quite find that tidbit in the article. In the linked Washington Post article by Aaron Blake, I read that in some of the states that had alternative electors, the document they signed said that they would be the duly elected electors if the courts ruled that Trump won the popular vote. I believe, per the Constitution, the electors have to vote by a certain date, so it might be reasonable to make a contingent vote awaiting the outcome of a court case. Other elector forms did not note that contingency. I really thought that this was some grand, outrageous conspiracy by Trump folks, and now it looks more like overthinking a loss and grasping at straws. I was ready to sing how awful this was, partly because it might have been awful, and partly because I have a deep-seated need to make my bona fides as a moderate. In my effort to seem fair, I think I started to buy into bullshit. I don't like the alternative stuff, but it seems more like gamesmanship than a deep and dark conspiracy. Maybe I will change my mind as more information comes out. I wanted to do a grand treatise on gun control in the aftermath of the Texas school shooting, but just don't seem to have it in me. Instead, I likely will do several moderate gun control efforts. Here is one of those. I like the word specious. My working definition of specious is an argument that initially sounds good or makes sense, but under further examination is found wanting. When it comes to gun control, I think we have a lot of specious arguments. Let's start with a Facebook meme, since Facebook memes passes deep thinking today. Quote, 
In a DUI, we blame the driver. In a bombing, we blame the bomber. In a shooting, they blame the gun, end quote. I was digging that meme, posted by a conservative friend, but as I thought about it, I lost my enthusiasm. We do ban alcohol sales to those under 21 and have other laws related to alcohol. On bombs, just about everybody is anti-bomb. I don't know of any pro-bomb people. Try buying a bunch of fertilizer, diesel, fuel, and ammonia and see how long it takes for the ATF to pay you a visit. I conclude the meme was specious. Specious also goes in the other direction. I have previously talked about assault weapon bans. Ban them and folks will just buy semi-automatic weapons that are not assault weapons. The gun show loophole isn't just specious, it's non-existent. I read recently Steve Kerr, Golden State Warrior coach, said we had to have universal background checks. Maybe. Certainly not a stupid argument. But in many of these shootings, it would not have made a difference because the shooter passed the test. So it also, to a large extent, is specious. I'll move from specious to plain meat need. In high school debate, where all the cool kids participated, we would identify a need that fell under the umbrella of the resolution and we would develop a plan. Many times the plan, while it sounded good and maybe even did some good things, did not address the stated need. Arguing that point, we would say the plan failed to meet the need. I think plan meet need is the biggest problem with the whole gun homicide issue. There are a lot of things that sound good but won't do crap. Some people may feel high and mighty and say, well, at least we're trying, but that does not do much for me. Let's take a slight tangent into something that pisses me off. According to this National Review article by Kevin Williamson, the Government Accountability Office audited the federal background check system. Per the article, giving false information on the background check form is a crime punishable by up to 10 years in prison. I don't think that is if you got your address wrong, but more if you are a convicted felon, have a restraining order against you, domestic violence convictions, etc., and are prohibited from owning a gun. According to this article, the GAO found that in 2017, 112,000 prohibited people in 29 states tried to buy a weapon via the background check system. The government investigated 12,700 and prosecuted 12. 12 out of 112,000 where the evidence was on the signed form. Quote, According to the GAO, 36% of those 112,000 denied firearms were convicted felons, 30% were subjects of protective orders, and 16% had been convicted of disqualifying domestic violence misdemeanors. End quote. Those three groups made up 82% of the 112,000. We need more laws like I need more dieting advice. The government should do their damn job. I was excited when I started reading the linked article by Trey Gowdy. He seemed to use process analytical tools when he said to look at gun homicides, you have to break it down to weapon, shooter, place, and culture. Kind of like a fishbone diagram. But he stuck with questions and not answers. I need answers. Maggie Korth in 538 wrote the linked article, quote, We've known how to prevent a school shooting for more than 20 years, end quote. 
She interviews Mary Ellen O'Toole, who is an expert in this area, as well as others. The article is excellent, and I cannot do it justice, but I will offer a few takeaways. Homicides are almost never premeditated, but school shootings almost always are. There are almost always warnings. Typical profiling does not work for school shooters because it collects too many people. Too many false positives is another way to say it. Quote, school shooters typically do this out of a profound adolescent crisis, end quote, according to James Garbarino, who is a psychology professor at Loyola University in Chicago. According to Marisa Randazzo, who was a chief psychologist for the Secret Service, the shooters were typically depressed, had trouble coping, and saw no way out. Many were suicidal, and professionals know a lot about helping suicidal folks. And the good news is that folks planning an attack on a school seldom keep the plan secret. They tell people, we should listen and act. This weekend, I read of a number of mass shootings. The media was mentioning 11 or more. I found the linked National Review article by Rich Lowry interesting because he addressed this. He basically said that many news agencies told us of the mass shooting, but the headline skipped important information and the phrase mass shooting conjured up images of the Texas school shooting. Per Mr. Lowry, quote, None of the shootings over the weekend had anything in common with those horrific events. As far as I could determine, none were carried out with an AR-15, and most involved beefs among people at parties or in or around bars, with many having the hallmarks of gang shootings. End quote. I mention this because our opinions are formed by news snippets, and I would like the media to do a better job of reporting accurate snippets rather than snippets that support a narrative and possibly are corrected deep down in the article. I have made a few comments about how the police handled the Texas school shooting. I said we would be angry as the information came out and also that we should co show compassion for the police. Today, a friend shared a Wall Street Journal piece by Peggy Noonan on this subject. Nice, sweet, thoughtful Peggy Noonan. She is absolutely pissed at the police and makes a compelling case for their incompetence. She is likely correct, but I give those in the arena the benefit of the doubt as they are doing a job I don't want to do. Again, she is likely correct about their inaction and incompetence. She makes another point that I think is valid. She describes a loss of competence and a loss of heroes. Maybe that is just us folks getting older and saying things aren't like they used to be. As I read her comments on a loss of heroes, I thought of the Mayaguez incident that I almost wrote on a few weeks back. The Mayaguez was a U.S. merchant ship that was captured by the Cambodians because they said it was in their waters in 1975, just after Saigon fell. We sent an attack force to rescue the crew just after they had been released, but the communication did not get through. Things were going badly for our attack force. Then a helicopter brought reinforcements, and with it was a senior NCO named Fofo Tutelli. Per the linked article by Peter McGuire and the Diplomat, the sergeant was a 250-pound Samoan with skills as a sniper, a larger-than-life person who was a calming and reassuring influence the moment he stepped off the helicopter. 
He calmed his men, got them in position, and observed an enemy machine gun that was raising havoc with our landing zone. He said, quote, I'm going to go take care of this problem, end quote. He walked into the jungle alone. In a few minutes, the men heard different gunfire, and the machine gun was silenced. The sergeant returned in a nonchalant manner with two AK-47s and other equipment. The article gives several other examples just from this one incident. Do men like Sergeant Tutelli no longer exist, or do we no longer honor them? In the Texas school shooting, it seems Border Patrol agents said, screw this, and went in. Hell, some parents wanted to do that, and they were not armed. As I close this long and likely rambling piece, I think we each should think of who we honor, and who we say thank you to, and who we cheer. Those are our priorities. Let's make them good ones. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.